Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Welcome. My name is Caroline Moasasi, and I'm FACT's Roundtable podcast host. I'm honored to take on this role with FACT, as I'm also a passionate allergy and asthma advocate on the national and international level, a parent of children with food allergies, and the founder of GratefulFoodie.com. Today, we'll be discussing civil rights advocacy, and specifically the CDC's interim guidance in Meals in the Classroom suggestions. But first, information presented via this podcast today is educational and not intended to provide individual legal advice. Many of our families have children participating in distance learning, but the fall remains uncertain if these students will continue their education virtually or in person at school. Recently, the CDC issued a document outlining interim school guidance for managing COVID-19 in the classroom, which included eating meals in the classroom. This is a challenge for children with food allergies. In response, FACT submitted a letter to the CDC outlining these concerns. We're sitting down today with Amelia Smith, FACT's General Counsel and Vice President of Civil Rights Advocacy, to dive a little deeper into these concerns, how FACT is addressing the situation, and what parents can do right now. Amelia G. Smith received her B.A. in English from Mississippi University for Women and her Juris Doctor from the University of Mississippi, where she concentrated on civil rights and unemployment discrimination. After her son Robert was diagnosed with food allergies, Amelia founded Food Allergic Children's Education in Tupelo, known as Face It, the only support and education organization for families with food allergies in Mississippi at the time. Once she learned about the challenges students and families with food allergies face in child care centers and schools, Amelia developed an interest in special education law. She is a 2012 graduate of William & Mary School of Law's Institute of Special Education Advocacy. Amelia is admitted to the bars of the state of Mississippi, the United States District Courts for Northern and Southern Districts of Mississippi, and the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. She is a member of the Mississippi Bar Association, Lee County Bar Association, and Lee County Young Lawyers Association. As a member of the FACT leadership team, Amelia's focus is on civil rights advocacy, advocating for food allergic individuals' rights to safely and equally participate in activities alongside their non-allergic peers. Welcome, Amelia. We are very pleased to have you on the show today. We know you have been super busy. Thank you, Caroline. I'm so glad to be here. We're going to jump right in to our questions. What are the three top concerns regarding the CDC interim guidelines? Well, as many people probably know by now, the CDC guidelines recommend, as an example for avoiding mixing students, that students consume breakfast and lunch in the classroom. Of course, we realize that this is an area of huge concern for families with food allergies, primarily for three reasons. The first reason being the increased risk of a reaction due to allergens being in our children's learning environment. The second concern being increased anxiety. We know that students are already going to be returning to school with increased anxiety just due to COVID-19. 
Then you throw allergens in their classroom in the mix, and this is going to greatly increase their anxiety. And third, we know that a lot of students with food allergies fixate on their allergens in the classroom. So if there is milk in the classroom of a child with milk allergies and that milk is spilled, then the child is going to be focused on where the milk is spilled and everything the classmates who clean it up touch and the milk dripping from the paper towels. And it just creates a big mess that our students then fixate on the different places the milk allergen or whatever their other specific allergen is and the different places of contact. And don't focus on the instruction during that day, which is an effective denial of a free and appropriate public education, also known as FAPE. Amelia, I'm so happy you brought that up because this is something I've actually personally dealt with with my children as well. They were so fixated, and specifically my daughter, she was so fixated during math on her teacher who would bring nuts into the classroom that she actually didn't learn math that year. And I think this is a really important point for parents to pay attention to as well when they're advocating for their children to look at that element of fixation and how that does impact the learning environment. So thank you very much for bringing up those three points and specifically that effective denial of fate. That's a really important piece of information. My next question for you, how is FACT responding to these concerns? On May 6th, FACT sent a letter to Dr. Robert Redfield, the director of the CDC. And our reason behind sending this letter was not to attack the CDC by any means. We understand that, that in this unprecedented time with these insane issues that we never thought we would have to deal with stemming from COVID-19, we know that they are diligently working to try to get procedures in place so that schools can reopen safely when they reopen. This letter was sent to the CDC not to attack them in any way. We appreciate how hard they are working, not only in their general response to COVID-19, but also in their efforts to make sure that when our students do return to school, that they return safely. Therefore, we wrote this letter to express these concerns that would prohibit our students with food allergies from returning to school safely. And we did so by outlining the different disability laws and by also referencing the CDC's own voluntary food allergy guidelines. So on that note, in addition, what would FACT like to offer for ideas and suggestions for solutions? FACT specifically asked the CDC to include a statement in their guidance documents that classrooms with food allergies, especially those with accommodation plans in place, be specific examples of where it may not be possible to consume meals in the classroom. This modification would be easy to accomplish by allowing classrooms that contain a student with food allergies to eat in the cafeteria outdoors or anywhere but their educational environment, while still allowing classes that do not contain a student with food allergies to eat in an alternative location, such as their classroom. This is one approach that would still limit the size of student population in common areas and would accomplish the CDC's goals while protecting our children with food allergies. Now, there are usually multiple solutions to civil rights advocacy problems. In fact, welcomes the opportunity to collaborate with and assist federal agencies and other organizations in any way that we can during these trying times. All right, so let's go a little deeper. Can you share some key points from the CDC letter and what your hopes are in working with the CDC and the USDA on behalf of the students with food allergies? The letter to the CDC addresses the fact that disability laws still apply to students with food allergies even during this pandemic. Schools must continue to abide by accommodation plans and meal modifications. 
The USDA guidelines require school nutrition programs to provide students with a safe environment to eat their meals. So ultimately, we also ask that the USDA support our request that the CDC amend the current guidance document. Thank you very much for that clarification. Now, can you tell listeners about why FACT is working with the USDA right now to address food insecurity and food allergy families who are relying on school-provided meals with food allergies? I've seen expressed concern on social media about unsafe lunches being handed to students right now during this pandemic. Yes, Caroline, we are seeing problems with the current structure of meals being delivered and dispensed to students through the USDA school nutrition program. But what's important to note is that the USDA is still requiring schools who are providing meal services to comply with their meal modification accommodations for students with food allergies, even during the pandemic. Our problem arises that families do not know how to ensure that their students get meal modifications that were approved prior to the pandemic. Families that previously sent lunches with their students may now be facing food insecurity and need to rely on these school programs, but they don't know how to get the modifications to the meals during the pandemic. And additionally, there have been instances reported where students have received grab-and-go meals that contain allergens, such as dyed hard-boiled eggs around Easter. So, Amelia, then what does a family do at this time if they do receive an incorrect meal? Who do they contact? Because if the school administration buildings are closed, what happens? Fact has been in conversations with one of the regional civil rights officers for the USDA, and we feel like we're making a really, really good foothold there. She asks that any reports that we receive regarding concerns with school nutrition programs be submitted to her via me. So, if anyone has concerns or they do run into cases where they're not able to get meal modifications through their school or even if they don't know who to contact we ask that they contact me at amelia.smith at foodallergyawareness.org. Thank you for that information. We'll definitely make sure we share that on our website. So now how is FACT reaching out to the other entities regarding the CDC guidelines? Well besides the letter to the CDC we also sent a letter to the USDA today We sent out emails to our entire physician database with the CDC letter attached so that physicians know that this is an issue that their patients may experience during the pandemic and upon return to school. We have also sent the letter out to all of FACT's email subscribers and have put it on our social media. Excellent. What are the next steps for FACT? Well, while we are waiting on a response from the CDC, which turns we may be waiting for quite a while now, as I'm sure you're aware, the CDC director was potentially exposed to COVID and has gone into self-isolation. So while we wait on his response and wait on the response from the USDA, which I was assured today, the letter has been forwarded to the people in charge and that it will be addressed. So I'm very excited about that. But so while we are waiting on these, we are also beginning conversation with the American Academy of Pediatrics. Many people may not know, but the American Academy of Pediatrics has released their own document outlining considerations and recommendations for returning to in-person education. While this document effectively addresses many areas of concerns, including educational deficits, the needs for school nutrition programs, mental health concerns, etc., they did a very great job of addressing these. The document also states that the CDC guidance is the best resource, and they advise schools to follow the CDC guidelines. So we feel it is our obligation to notify the American Academy of Pediatrics 
of our concerns and of the fact that these CDC guidelines pose a threat to our students with food allergies right now. You definitely have been very busy, Amelia. In fact, has been very busy too. So now based on all this information that we know right now, what should parents be doing in response to the CDC guidelines right now in response to preparing for the next school year? We really advise that parents get a jump start on going back to school, um, which I know we recommend every year that parents go ahead and try to get started on their accommodation plans the year you know, in spring before the next school year. And we know that that often poses difficulties and it's going to pose even more difficulties during this pandemic. But if you can't get in touch with your 504 coordinator or your special education director, you still can sit down and think about your own student's individual needs and your own student's individual educational environment and think about the way things have been done in their schools that may be changed due to specific COVID requirements and brainstorm and come up with some additional accommodations or ways to tweak your current accommodations that are already in place that will help protect your child during these times. We also recommend that if you do not have an accommodation plan, now is the time to go ahead and refer your student for one. I really believe that in light of the pandemic and in light of all of the changes that we're going to see when we return to in-person education, these accommodation plans will be utilized like never before. Amelia, this has been very eye-opening, very enlightening to learn and understand what's going on with these recommendations. It's a really difficult time because everything's fluid, but I think what helps is knowing that these conversations are taking place and that fact is out there advocating. So I really appreciate your time. I know the listeners appreciate your time today, so we want to thank you very much. Well, thank you, Caroline, and I want to encourage the listeners out there, if you are running into a situation where you are having problems with school nutrition or you see things being done by any division of your school district, that you please contact me through my email and let me know. And if there are other areas that you think could possibly cause concerns in your specific district or nationwide, reach out and let us know. We are trying to develop sample accommodations and knowing different school environments throughout the country are not the same, but your child's needs may not be what other children need. So this is a really important time to band together as a community and help everyone out. To read FACT's position statement and letter to the CDC regarding the CDC's interim guidance and meals in the classroom recommendations, please visit foodallergyawareness.org. If you need help or would like to share your situation, we invite you to email Amelia Smith at amelia.smith at foodallergyawareness.org. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes and be sure to connect with us on social media. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.